0: Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we've got a special guest here for you. Martha Weidman is on, and she's gonna tell us all about what she does related to real estate here in Austin. Hey, Martha, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show, Jordan.
0: Glad to have you, and I think you've got some exciting stuff to talk about and share with our guests. So real quick, who are you, and what's your role in the real estate industry?
1: Well, I'm a a Southern woman, I grew up in Alabama and I moved when I was 18 out West to Colorado and was able to start my own business here with my partner Molly Casey. Our company is called Nine Dot Arts, and we focus on art consulting and curating. And so you might wonder, well, what does that mean? Uh, well, it's really about how to activate the built environment, how to think about creative placemaking involving visual arts, music, and you know, anything from large-scale murals to a really fascinating, interesting. Uh, print that you might find in a guest room in a hotel. So we're doing everything from, you know, large-scale urban land plans to involve uh, cultural placemaking as a part of that, all the way down to boutique hotels, luxury apartments, and commercial office spaces.
0: That's awesome. So you guys will actually help pick out all the art for each hotel room too, not just the common areas.
1: Yes, and that's really a tool for developers and investors who want to find ways to differentiate their properties. Art can be a great way to bring social capital to the table, involve the community, and provide a visual distinction of the place where you are and what makes it unique. And think of being a traveler these days, right? When you go to a hotel, you wanna get the flavor of the place where you're staying. And you wanna get a sense of that from the hotel or the resort where you are. And so art can be a really powerful tool as a way to enliven the atmosphere, even in a guest room at a hotel. And so we work with all local artists In Austin, there's an incredibly robust uh, scene of muralists, uh, artists, and uh, visual artists who are also musicians. So we definitely um, tie in to the university and the visual art scene to, to pull the best talent for the projects we work on.
0: That's awesome. So you work with local artists to bring this art in?
1: Absolutely. And the reason that's important is that, you know, think about we've all stayed in a hotel or been to an office building where you might have seen an art piece and it felt really distant or not connected to the place. Well, when you're working with a local artist, you can have the plaque up that shows where that artist is from. You can see that it's made by hand. And sometimes people might even know that artist or have heard their name. And if you're opening, let's say, a restaurant or a mixed use property, one of the things that you want to do is think about how to add value to that site and keep it active so involving local artists is a way to in some cases help with shorter approval cycles faster lease up and sales cycles and also to just brand and market and raise awareness for the location because the artists will come visit the place where their work is uh, on exhibition and they'll bring their friends and they'll tell people about it and they'll post it on social media. So it's all this built-in social capital that's quite frankly hard to find in any other way.
0: Yeah and that's such a huge support for the artists too because it's so hard to be an artist you know and if you can have somebody local putting all your art in a hotel or a restaurant or an office space that's so awesome. So I didn't know that I really appreciate that you do that.
1: Yeah. And one of the um, artists that we worked with for a a courtyard hotel in Austin, she went. this was her first big commission out of school. She was actually in graduate school for sculpting at the time when we commissioned her to do a three-story large-scale hanging paper sculpture. And that became her first big commission. So not only was it a benefit for the developer to have a way to promote their asset to look distinctive and visually interesting and to help brand the place but it was also a way to help this artist learn about a professional career how do you you know submit progress reports and purchase orders and go through that whole process of commissioning so it was really a win win
0: that's awesome too because you know Austin is growing so quickly and it's getting more expensive every year as rents go up and home prices go up and, you know, you're really helping tie artists into that growth. So not only are they sitting around seeing the city grow up around them, they can be part of that and profit from it too and, and still stay here. And I think that's so important for artists and musicians in the area to be able to participate in the growth of the city and be able to hang around. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard the term, you want to eat your landscape, right? You want to um, eat things that where you, that you want to look at, you know. So I, I love uh, buffalo bison, and so I'm like, oh, because bison, like that's really cool to have in your landscape. And so if you think apply that same sort of thinking in that you want to hire and support the the community that you want to be around yeah. as a developer. So if you want artists in your city then those are the people that, you know, you should hire to help build your place.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, so often people talk about the flavor and the culture of Austin being so unique and cool. But if we drive those people away, we're going to lose some of that culture. So I really like you guys are helping them learn how to stick around. That's really cool. Um, Absolutely. How did you get started in Austin? So obviously you do projects all over the country with your company nine.arts and you know it sounds like you're doing a lot here in Austin, but what what initially got you guys started here in Austin? What attracted you to it?
1: Uh, well, the first project that we did in Austin was a hotel, and our uh, great clients and partners here in Denver, Stage Hospitality, were the leading developers for that project. They knew about our work, and they brought us with them to Austin. You know, Colorado and, and Texas, in some ways, have a lot of things in, co- in common, as do Denver and Austin. Uh, when we first got started a lot of our clients were in the oil and gas industry and that's also a big industry in texas so you know we were doing projects in uh, midland you know just in places that you might not even imagine with just kind of incredible art installations and cultural scenes so colorado and texas i think have always had a, a bit of a brotherhood or kinship if you will and Austin and Denver the same way. So companies uh, from Denver that were working in Austin would bring us with them. And now uh, we are at the point where we have companies in Austin that have seen our work in Colorado that are hiring us to come there. So we've got a partnership with a group on the ground in Austin. And uh, I'm excited to say that I will be there about uh, once every couple months for the foreseeable future for the next three years for one of the big projects we're working on there. So um, look forward to spending a lot more time in Texas.
0: Absolutely. We look forward to having you. Um, what initially attracted you to art consulting and curating? So you're from Alabama. You've been in Denver since you were, sorry, Colorado since you were 18. Um, how'd you get started in art consulting?
1: Um, so, you know, I have a kind of an interesting family background. Half of my family was kind of old school, blue blood South, and half my family was Mississippi farmers. And what I learned from those two, you know, two very different approaches. One was all about, you know, the finer things. I, my great grandmother was a collector of antiques and my great auntie had an antique store. And my grandmother was an artist. And they would also do these historic renovation projects. They had you know, historic buildings in Tennessee and Alabama that they were always renovating. And so they kind of gave me this understanding of higher design and, and a visual aesthetic that I think has been quite useful. And then the other side of my family, uh, the side that was farmers, they really raised me and taught me how to build things with my hands. So they taught me how to, how to work and how to actually craft things that were well, well built. Yeah. And that became really useful when you were going into art school, because when you're in art school, you have to actually build things that have sustenance, that are quality. And I think most of us can recognize the quality of a really well-crafted handmade object. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that most people can see that. And I think that's really important for our culture, just to have people who know how to f- build things, how to fix things, how to repair things. And my training in learning how to woodwork and metalsmith and paint, all of those things have been really useful in being able to recognize quality and recognize talent. And those two backgrounds combined um, provided a really nice uh, rich entry into the world of art, uh, which is kind of half concept and half uh, building things by hand. So that creative spirit, I think, was imbued in me in a young age, and I made my way through the ranks in a gallery here and uh, was able to study with two women who founded the art consulting industry west of the Mississippi and learned from them. How to take a million dollar budget and break it down to a 2000 art pieces that you have to acquire over a period of three years. It sounds relatively simple, but it's actually a pretty complex and thoughtful process that you have to learn and apply to these situations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, I'm sure it's much, everything is more complex than it sounds. You know, it's all oh, that's easy. Probably not. Um, So, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the projects you've done here in Austin. You've done some hotels. You said you've done some office space. You talked briefly before we got started about another bigger project you're going to be doing in Austin starting here soon. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and what it is?
1: Yeah, well, one of the projects that we're involved in that's still very early stages is the rebranding and revisioning of a street you might be familiar with called Dirty Six. And have you had any experiences there? <laughs> Tell us about it, Jordan.
0: Yeah, I've been there quite a bit. So yeah. you've been
1: there before. Yeah. So imagine if Dirty Six were a, a place that didn't have that name anymore, uh, but a different name and a place where you might come with a family, mm-hmm. you might see, you know, Sculptures, high end restaurants, retail, hotel, office space. And you know, think of some of the, uh, like a Main Street corridor, like Magazine Street in New Orleans, for example. Yeah. So over time, you know, that transition is still um, an idea at this point, but uh, will become reality. So I think that's a very exciting uh, long term. Large-scale project where creative placemaking is going to have a major impact.
0: Yeah, I, for reference, for people listening that don't know, Dirty Six right now. While it's not, it's not just totally destroyed and nasty. It, it's kind of a, a bar street. It's a college bar street. You know, it's typically younger people in college or tourists per se go to. 36 it's not you know an art filled high-end area to be it's a really great area of downtown it's real walkable but i can see the potential there and i'm really excited to see what you guys end up doing with it um that whole area of downtown has so much potential and is very very busy big music festivals by like south by southwest Austin city limits. There's lots of reasons to be around these areas downtown and I'm really excited to hear that they're going to be spruced up just a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think of it as the equivalent of kind of going from Bourbon Street to Magazine Street
0: mm-hmm. in
1: New Orleans. And, you know, I think ultimately it it's a major impact for the city. You know, it's right downtown. It's a whole environment where I think people want to feel welcome to bring guests. You know, if you're local, uh, you want a place where you can go downtown. So I think that is a big opportunity, a big impact. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, you know, we'll start with large scale projects like that. And then we also do, you know, offices, for example, Blackwell is one of the projects we're working on there in Austin right now. We've done a couple of hotel projects downtown as well and the art scene in Austin never ceases to amaze there's a really rich group they are a rich group of fine artists lots of depth to the community Mm -hmm. and I think Austin is a city that really appreciates culture and appreciates its differentiators so I think that there's just a ton of potential and uh, we're really excited about what the future holds
0: Yeah, you know, there's the saying, the keep Austin weird that you see everywhere. I I don't think that refers to keep it weird and and quirky so much as, you know, keep it unique and keep it authentic. And it sounds like you're really doing that too with the hotels and offices and Sixth Street, you know, all the stuff you guys are doing. So I'm excited.
1: I'm Um, curious to know what some of your favorite places in Austin are.
0: Obviously, love... Town Lake downtown, beautiful Mm -hmm. area, lots of great green space. My favorite street to hang out on, I'm 33, so I'm still a little younger. I like to be on Rainy Street. Rainy Street's changed quite a bit. Um, I love some pieces of Sixth Street, but you know, like you said, it's mostly a younger college area right now. It has a ton of flavor. It has a ton of history and it's fun just to walk up and down it every so often, probably not too often anymore. Maybe once every couple months, we, we take a walk at night on Sixth street. Yeah, really. I love being down by the water downtown. You can't beat that.
1: Well, I, I love some of the things that the city is doing. And when we look at how great cities are built and how placemaking occurs, you know, we reference institutions like Urban Land Institute to see what are they saying and predicting for the future in placemaking. And their most recent report on cultural cultural placemaking and building great cities talks about how cities right now are, you know, in some cases still struggling to rebuild and come back after the pandemic devastation and creative placemaking as one of our most powerful tools for renewal using culture as our foundation, as we rebuild our cities enforces authenticity and inclusivity to the local community. And the result, as we were talking about earlier, is this marketable approach that attracts public and private partners Mm -hmm. and speaks to, you know, not only private developers, but the community alike. So I think focusing on those details of how to create places that thrive and endure is uh, important, especially in places like Austin, where there's a rich culture to build upon.
0: Yeah, and there's just still so much being built. So in in my eyes, Austin's really almost just started. You know, we're 2.3 million people right now. There's 183 people a day that move here. With that rapid growth rate, and they expect it to double in the next 20 years, the Austin of today is not going to look anything like the Austin of 20 years from now. So you really need to build it how you want it and make sure you keep keep it authentic and keep a lot of local artists around and keep it the way that it is in some ways so it's a great city here in 20, 30 years too. And not just a sprawling metropolis with no culture, no ideas. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Affordable housing plays a big role in that. Just making sure that the creative community has a place to live Mm -hmm. because that will obviously keep people there and, you know, they'll become long term contributors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know the city's working hard on that. That's such a complicated and diverse topic to deal with that, you know, I know I know they're doing their best and I'm sure they'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. What do you hear in terms of solutions that resonate with you that you think are feasible?
0: Um, What a a lot of the new developments are doing is instead of having it all market rate, so let's say there's 100 units in a project, or let's say 300 units in a project, they might have 50 of those units affordable for under the area median income, and then everything else can be market rate. And they allow that to be a denser project or let's say a taller building because they're allowing some affordable housing. I think that's great. Say, hey, Mr. Developer, I know you wanna build this 200 unit building. We'd love you to do that. But if you wanna make it this big and this lot actually allows it to be this big, you know, if you want these tax breaks or if you want this exemption to be a little bit bigger, you need to make a certain amount of it affordable. And that's such an easy way to do it. It just essentially incentivize people to build affordable housing rather than saying, hey, we need to get this affordable housing built because a lot of the developers, they're not going to do something that doesn't make money. But if you can say, hey, you'll save a little bit of money or you can build a bigger project if you include some affordable housing, that's so easy to do.
1: Yeah. And they're doing a
0: lot of it. So that's absolutely something they're doing quite a bit of here in Austin right now.
1: Yeah, we've, you know, as a as a curatorial team, we're always searching for emerging and undiscovered talent in the region. And so we spend a lot of time looking at what's coming out of UT and who those artists are, what the MFA shows look like, and finding the next wave of talent. But of course, once you leave school, you've got to find a place to live so that you can stay. And so I think those initiatives that you're describing are some of the best ways to keep the... Com- community and the cultural scene thriving?
0: Yeah, And you know, we've been fighting over a land development code here for a few years where it would increase the density. Um, personally, I don't know that that's going to help so much, but it's not going to hurt. So hopefully they can get that figured out here soon too. So it, it all has to be focused on that. How do we keep it affordable for people like artists, musicians, well, just generally anybody that can't afford The new housing that's going up, and how do we make that a win win for everybody? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely ways to do that. Um, Martha, do you have a favorite business or mindset book or even an art related book that you like to recommend? Mm.
1: I'm trying to think of one that maybe um, your audience hasn't read yet. One of my favorite business books is the Jim Collins Good to Great. I think a lot of people have probably studied mm-hmm. uh, studied that book and mentioned it. And um, I'm a big fan of some of his principles. So I, I always like that one in terms of business. Um, but I think in terms of placemaking, one that I would recommend is a book by Richard Florida called The Rise of the Creative Class. And the concept of that uh, literature is basically how to build cities that can sustain creative communities because they are the ones that drive uh, innovation, ideation, and entrepreneurship forward.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. That's not been mentioned yet on the podcast. So
1: okay, good. <laughs> Glad to add to add something there.
0: And who is the author of the Rise of the Creative Class?
1: Richard Florida.
0: Florida. I should remember that. All right, Martha, how can people guess best get a hold of you at 9.Arts? Just 9.Arts.com? Or?
1: Yeah, and it's all spelled out. So it's N I N E D O T A R T com, And then you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm Martha Weidman, the CEO and co founder of 9.Arts. You can find me there or on our website check out what we've done in Austin and uh, stay tuned on our LinkedIn page to hear more about the innovation and the creative placemaking that we're going to bring downtown. Uh, That'll be a fun thing to watch over the next few years.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be very exciting to watch. Last question for you before you go. What is your favorite restaurant here in Austin?
1: Oh, gosh. I feel like I need to try a new restaurant every time yeah. I go. So I feel like maybe you should actually tell me where I should go when I'm there in a couple of weeks.
0: We love, well, if you're going to be downtown, especially we love Red Ash. It's an Italian restaurant downtown. It's really good. You're going to need reservations or we've had good luck just walking up and catching them in between tables. But if you don't have reservations, and you try to go in at peak times, you might have some trouble. We really like red ash, and I want to say that's downtown on Fifth Street, but it's just red ash, and it's pretty easy to find.
1: I've heard of it, but I have never been, so I will definitely make sure and make my way there. Uh, I've also been wanting to try uh, some good like Tex-Mex when I'm there too, so I'll have to find some of that next time I'm there.
0: Matt's El Rancho Mm -hmm. um, is one of my favorite Tex-Mex places. I'd say that's probably my favorite in the downtown area. Matt's El Rancho is really good. And if you're looking for sushi, I know this is completely unrelated. Uchi or Uchi Co. are both really good. So there's so many good restaurants here.
1: Uchi was one of the ones I was going to say. We actually did the artwork for um, Uchi. So, yeah. yeah. So I know that one. Well, it's a great, that's a great spot and love that, that kind of dining and yeah. Good recommendations. Glad I asked. Now I know what to do on my next trip.
0: Yeah. No, check out Matzel El Rancho. Um, El Loro is pretty good too. It's like a barbecue slash Tex-Mex fusion, but nice. absolutely. If you need any more restaurant recommendation recommendations, Be sure to shoot me an email. We've got plenty around here and I'll definitely get you some.
1: I feel like we should pull the audience here too. I bet uh, your listeners have some great ideas we should add to the mix.
0: Yeah. Every guest too talks about their favorite restaurant at the end. So I get lots (laughs) of great ideas just by hearing people.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: All right. Thank you so much for coming on today, Martha. And if you need any restaurant recommendations, just reach out.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Jordan.
0: Thank you.